We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 119. We are creeping our way up there. Felt like just yesterday we recorded 100, and we're creeping towards the season. I am so ready for baseball to start. Scott, what's going on? You know, it wouldn't be the first week of spring training unless you got some injuries popping up already. And, you know, it's a little bit of a, a downer news and to get in with all of the great news of seeing guys start throwing and start hitting. So we can thank the uh, the front office. We can thank some some weird nagging injuries, some foul balls. Like I guess if Mike, Mark Teixeira retires, someone else has to take that that spot right and foul a ball off his foot and yep. get some weird freak injury. Someone needs a, a an annoying foot injury like last year. Brian Mitchell had it. Now it's going to be Tyler Austin's foot. Yeah, but um, yeah. Other than that, you know, other than that and squirrel issues, I'm I'm good. You know, I just uh, I I can't get rid of this. God so I'm on the squirrel. edge of my seat. You teased it. Well, I, you, you haven't told me yet. What's going on with this freaking squirrel? Okay, so if you were listening two weeks ago, or I think two or three weeks ago, you know that I had a squirrel that was getting in my side of my house into the attic. I solved that problem and blocked off that hole. It was like a, an old dryer vent that wasn't even being used anymore. Done, okay? I thought we were good. I come back from San Francisco, and I pull in the freaking driveway, and there is a hole on the side of like the fascia board, the trim, the, the wood trim on the side of the house, you know, that goes up on the roof line. 
next to the gutter that goes inside the uh, soffit where the gutter is. So it's, it's basically getting into the soffit, which you can get into direct access into the attic from there. And then in the exact same spot on the, at the second floor, there's like another roof line with gutters. The same damn squirrel chewed a hole the size of like, I don't know, two softballs on, on the fascia board through the wood and got into the attic again in a different way. This dude is like a, a squirrel on steroids. I think it's taunting you now. It, it absolutely is. I have you, the unbelievable measures that I have gone through since I've gone back for this goddamn squirrel is ridiculous. And the, the people that you have do like your pest control and all that crap, they don't deal with squirrels. They'll deal with rats and mice and any other insect you can find. But they don't mess with squirrels. Like you got to get like a you got to get because you have to get like a wrangler because it's like a wild animal. I don't know, but so so I am literally like I hear the dude on on the roof and and I have dusted off the BB gun. The BB gun is now dusted off is is tuned up. BBs have been have been purchased. I have been outside. I have like two posts outside where I, if he's if I hear him on one side, I go outside out the door and like get the loaded gun that's already there because I load it and pump it and get ready to pop this guy. And the dude just is gone by the time I get out there practically. Yeah. You're getting outsmarted by a squirrel. I have had to oil the back door hinges so that it doesn't make noise. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's utterly ridiculous. I honestly think that you found a demon squirrel and he's taunting you. I mean, he probably does this with a lot of homeowners. He now, he just moved on to you guys. Uh, He's, he's now also, so those are the two holes. And it's the exact same spot in the roof line, right? Like he's no dummy. He's going to the same spot knowing that there's a cavity behind it that he can get into. So he's also, now that he knows I'm, I'm onto him and I know where he's going to be, he's gone to all four points of the roof line and started on each one of them. So if I go to the front, he just goes over the roof and goes to the back. It's, squirrels, it's, it's unbelievable. This is, this is stupid. Uh, squirrels, uh, <laughs> I just realized how stupid of a comment was. I'm not saying it. <laughs> anyway. You got to lure him out with something. You got to like lure him out with some nuts. He's on the, he's, he's like 60 feet in the air, 55, 50, 60 feet in the air. There's not much I can do. He jumps to a tree. It's the second floor of a house. I mean, that's maybe it's not that high. I don't know. It's not nearly that high. It's like 25 feet. (laughs) No, it's not 25 feet. Anyway. So it gets better. I have definitely shot him at least twice. There's no doubt. I made contact twice. Well then, and is this a big squirrel? He's not small. And he's on steroids. I'm telling you, he's like the Jose Canseco of squirrels. He doesn't feel pain. I can see blood like mixed into his fur. <laughs> there are, there's like a dark patch on the back. And he's not going. He keeps coming back. Well, he's, I'm he's telling you. He's storing stuff up there. He, he's obviously got some, uh, some food or something. Maybe his family's living up there. No, there's nothing in there. We've, we've looked through the attic and there's nothing in there. You need so. to lure it out and you need to trap it. He's not in. That's the thing. He's not in. He just keeps jacking up my house. He just keeps chewing and scratching through my house. He's basically ruining the outside of my home. So it's me or him. He's affecting my livelihood right now. And I'm not, I just can't handle it anymore. I'm literally gonna have to sit outside for hours and wait till he gets there and just be very quiet and then pop a cap in his head. Because that's what's going to happen. That's the only uh, way to solve this problem. What's annoying you more right now? Randy Levine's comments about Dylan Batanzas or this squirrel? I'm I'm not going to be I'm not going to lie to you guys. It's the squirrel. The squirrel I expected I think from Levine and and Trust and all those guys. The squirrel I did not expect this. I I didn't think a squirrel had this uh this type of ability. So, I'm um, I'm dumbfounded by this. Is there like a, a a Reddit subreddit of squirrels 
because I there's got to be and this has to has this has to happen to many people. I don't know. I haven't really done all that. I don't see any other solution besides it's got to be me or him. That's that's the only way out of this. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten well, some stupid spray that they have at Home he, Depot that are supposed is he to a Yankees fan because if you go out, I'm going to need a co-host. Yeah. Well, it's not going to be me. He's going down. I will play. I will play injured if he attacks me. And I can see it come down to that because I don't think he's going to stop very easily. All right, so we're going on like six minutes of squirrel talk. I think people are ready for us to move on. Unbelievable. But yes, so um, baseball, Yankee baseball. I'm, at least there's a distraction from the squirrel now. <laughs> so uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Before we do that, though, I want to mention the 25% off code for the fan shop. I know people are using it. Uh, we get some DMs clarifying what the code is um last week um i hope everyone spelled it correctly this week it'll be a little easier we're gonna go with batansis um and i think because you said what that the yankees got him at a discount so you can also a discount some, you can get <laughs> yes. some uh, yankees bronx pinstripes merch for a discount using code batansis uh for the next week yeah zero salt in the wounds on that one <laughs> also as i'm sure everyone knows march 24th and 25th the two of us will be down in Tampa at Yankee Spring Training. We're going to that Friday and Saturday game. Um, we are working on a location. Hopefully uh, soon we will have that determined. Possibly a brewery. We got a couple suggestions. If you guys are in the Tampa area or familiar with the Tampa area, tweet us your opinion on where you'd like for us to meet up. Uh, ideally, it would be somewhere in the downtown Tampa area or close to the, to the field. So there's not much traveling going on. But we're pretty much a month away from that trip. So um, I know a lot of people have said they're going to be down there. And I'm really looking forward to it. I cannot wait uh, to not only see live action baseball, but also to to meet some some of the fans of this podcast. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely, man. I'm looking forward to it. I know Friday is what we're, we're talking about doing an event or just kind of a meetup outside, uh, outside after the game. And then Saturday, we're most likely going to be doing something, you know, just hanging out at the game at one of those bars. Uh, in the right or left field it's they're throwing us off a little bit just because of all the construction there's not you know an exact logistics because everything's different um, but I, I just it's it's going to be right or left field you know after well after one of the games probably Saturday cool all right let's get into the Yankees stuff here spring training workouts are going on you know what I always find funny I saw a tweet today it was a video of uh, Austin Romine and Gary Sanchez doing pop-up drills and I'm like, that's what I, that's what you teach catchers in little league. And they got these professionals doing these drills that you literally do since T-ball. And it's like, some things never change. You just keep doing the ground ball drills. You do the pitcher fielding drills. You probably have coaches hitting fungos to the outfield and you got your catchers doing pop-up drills, probably practicing their signs on what happens if there's a runner on second base um, and all that kind of stuff. So it's just funny to see. Yeah, you got to work on those fundamentals. You can never lapse on the fundamentals. And uh, you got to make sure that the, that muscle memory is in there. Because everything's a little different with, with when you have different guys. When you have a, you know, now there's a different full-time catcher. So maybe he does things a little differently. Maybe he throws his mask to the left or to the right. I don't know. Oh, there's there's different little things. You don't you think just, these guys are going through these workouts like they're bullshit? Like how I've done this literally a million times in my no, life. No, because I, I think once – No, I don't, I don't think that. Because I think every single time during – a baseball season, it's good to get those that work in the beginning of the year just because you got to go through the motions. You got to get your body used to it again. You got to get your, your mind clicking on all those. There's so many scenarios in baseball that you have to always give yourself a tune up. I mean, every single year, you got to do that. Otherwise, you're going to be slipping and then uh, and then we'll catch it. 
it does under it does make me understand why guys like Derek Jeter and stuff after they've played for 18 plus seasons why they just do not want to go through the monotony of spring training again. Yeah. No, it's a lot. It's a, there's a lot of stuff, but um it's good for us. We like to see it. <laughs> yeah. So many videos. And now that uh video has been such a, a big thing on Twitter, so many videos of short little clips of just Chapman throwing a fastball. It's like yep. awesome. Get to see that for the 5000th time. <laughs> Um, all right. The bad news. This is going to be like a bad news podcast because I feel like everything has a negative connotation to what has been going on with the Yankees. Uh, but isn't that really the case that it, it's usually if there's news out of spring training, it's usually bad news, right? This early. I mean, there's nobody popping off the charts right now. I mean, everybody feels good. We know that. But except for yeah, the guys for every, that don't. Except for, the for, guys every, that don't. for every video of Gary Sanchez hitting a blast off of the center field scoreboard or whatever it may be, we get the news that Tyler Austin followed the ball off his foot, broke his foot, is out uh, six-plus weeks, so that pretty much takes him out of spring training, out of the running to make the opening day roster because by the time he comes back, he's going to have to rehab. Um, I don't know the timetable, the exact timetable on when we might see Tyler Austin again, but he's going to have to go back down to Scranton and play well for him to be called back up. Sucks for him. It just really sucks for him because he was one of the first guys that showed up for camp this year. Uh, he's been working his ass off, playing third base, playing first base, playing left field and right field. And now bad news. He's just the unlucky news of breaking his foot. Um, kind of makes everything we talked about with Chris Carter last week, just irrelevant. Um, well, see, that's where I disagree. Why do you disagree? Because I think this is one of the big reasons they brought him in for, for this exact reason. If one of these guys, if someone does, they just they can't depend on on two one uh, a guy like uh, Tyler Austin who's never played a full major league season and then Greg Bird who's coming off of an injury. I think Brian Cashman saw that it was imperative to bring another body in there, and the fact that they got him so late, you know, leads us to believe that that was the case. I mean, there was a value pick at the at that time, but it was another body to to make sure that they had enough behind first base. They didn't want to get into a situation last year like they did last year where they have to have Rob Refsnyder playing first base. And so okay. I think it's extremely relevant. Well, no, it's it's certainly relevant. And I understand that Carter was brought in for in case something happens like this. But I, I, I mean, it was makes everything we talked about last week in the sense of Carter versus Austin irrelevant. Yeah, Carter versus Austin. Well, I mean, I think that it was going to be a uh, Tyler Austin was not just going to be a first baseman now that Chris Carter was there. You know what I mean? Like he was going to be playing other places. I think so. I mean, yeah, he, he was, was going to be finding, he was going to be finding time if, if he was, if he could hit, he was going to have to hit and, and yeah. hopefully play, uh, playing out corner outfield spot. I think what it means mostly, and I think we're, we're going to hit on this later, but there's, there's a couple other guys. I think this Tyler Austin's injury actually impacts more and ref Snyder's definitely one of them. We talked about that going, you know, back last year, how, when Tyler Austin came up, he was the guy that was really the, the nemesis for ref Snyder's playing time because of his flexibility, because he played a little bit all, you know, all over the place and he had more pop in the bat. So I think now ref Snyder might have a little bit more of an opportunity to make some noise. And if he can, then, um, you know, it's, it's only good for him. Well, that makes sense because he was sort of like the diet version of Tyler Austin. And now, now yeah. that Tyler Austin is out of the mix for the time being, ref Snyder can at least move up one, one notch in the depth chart. But Everyone tweeted me as soon as the news came out, like, oh, how do you like the Carter signing now? And as if they predicted that Tyler Austin was going to get injured. And I understand that it does. Uh, you got to give credit to Cashman for 
realizing that he needed to have some more depth there. But hey, uh, you can't uh, you can't give you can't say that you expected this kind of thing to happen. It's just unlucky. I I still think I still stand by my my opinion that uh, I don't like the move when it happened, and I'm still going to wait and see on Carter. If Carter hits, great, I'll root for him. But uh, let's not call it a successful signing until he hits. Oh, it was it was definitely a successful signing as of right now. If that's what we're talking about, I mean, no <laughs> nobody has hit yet. So if we're looking at what the signing is currently, it was absolutely a successful signing. Out. The jury is still out. I mean, you could say that about everybody. It's not successful nor unsuccessful. It was a great signing, though. I must say, great signing. Um. All right. Let's put to bed. Uh, I guess the debate that I sort of you and I had with Napoli versus Carter. We got a email from Ralph. Um, and he says, relatively new to the site and listening to the podcast, definitely enjoy listening to your thoughts on the Yankees. A few quick notes to end the Napoli-Carter debate from last podcast. In 2016, Napoli had a 30% K rate and Carter a 32%. Napoli K'd 194 times versus Carter's 206. Napoli only batted 239, so they are roughly the same player on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, the same thing. Napoli, per Fangraphs, has a UZR of uh, slash 150 of minus 6.1 in 2016. I'm not even going to pretend to know what that means. No While idea. Carter was a minus 5.7. Minus 6.1 and minus 5.7 are basically Pretty the same close. number. Yeah. yeah. Napoli basically costs three times as much as Carter and is basically the same player. Just thought I'd throw up those stats to end the debate. And it's a, it's a totally fair point by Ralph. To be 100% honest, I didn't realize that Napoli and Carter were that similar of players. Um, so from the sense of strictly... Napoli versus Carter, I understand how they there's not much difference. Um, but my argument, and I'm standing by it, is still that you didn't need to sign Holiday plus Carter. You could have just signed Napoli and had the same sort of thing. Now I understand with the injury, it kind of makes all that irrelevant. But, um, you know, that sort of just kind of puts a little bit of an end to the Napoli versus Carter thing. Yeah, I really appreciated that that uh, that email. It made me as soon as I opened it up and read it that someone dove into those numbers. I was like, yes, he does suck just as bad as Chris Carter sucks. They both suck equally. They strike out a lot. Both of these guys strike out a lot. That's the the, the bottom line. I, I think what's lost in this though, and I think even for uh, w- when you're looking at your opinion of that, you don't want to sign both of these guys. Again, I think they were choosing Holiday over over Napoli at that point, and then they were going to roll with. Uh, either Austin or Bird. And then I do believe no matter what that happened, whether they signed Napoli or not, they, they may have gone out and got a journeyman at the, at the end. Uh, like, But the, just it just so happened that Carter was still there at a crazy number. I still think that's the reason they did it. But Holiday, I mean, you can't compare. If you, if you if you look at the numbers between Holiday, the three of these guys, Holiday, Carter, and Napoli, I mean, Holiday's numbers, uh, if you look at his career, and even over the past few years, Minus the the time off last year that he he missed injury, he's he's just a much better hitter overall. Totally. There's he's a no much comparison career wise, holiday. But that's you just said the injury thing is a huge concern. That's a huge factor there because uh, I guess. there's a lot of uncertainty with Holiday's health, and there's I, I, I think no there's a lot uncertainty. of uncertainty with all of those guys though. I I, I think that well, both Carter and Napoli played full seasons last year. Yeah, but Napoli's only a year year off of of being like you know in the dumpster and having a, a horrible horrible year so when he was with texas the first time the the fact of the matter is is that if holiday's healthy i mean he's far superior a, a bat and will be far superior in this lineup than both of these guys i hope so 
<laughs> I, I, I think sometimes people think I'm rooting against the Yankees. That's the, the sense I get from some tweets. And let me tell you, that's not the case. I hope the Yankees are successful in everything they do. Just figured I'd throw that out there. That's good. People should know that. Um, so uh, more injury news. Mason Williams, who was going to be battling for a backup outfielder spot, I guess has a patella tendon, sore knee. Uh, that flared back up. He had that last season, and now um, now that's that's reoccurring. So that's another injury to watch. Um, and uh, other news, um, we kind of mentioned Ref Snyder before, so let, let's get to Ref Snyder right now. He was quoted as saying, I don't know where I fit on the Yankees roster. Um, that was obviously, I think, before the Austin injury, right? Yeah, you know, it was, I think the quote was before the, the Austin. I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, whether he knew Austin was was uh, was hurt at that point, and you know, I don't, I'm sure the Yankees didn't release it for a few days. He had fouled his, the ball off his foot, I think, last week. Anyway, he doesn't know because there's no clear path. I, I you know, it's it's a utility guy, but but where's he going to be the utility guy? I mean, is he? I don't even think he knows where he's going to be playing. So where they're going to ask him to play? Because what we've learned in the off season, when we were talking to some of the guys that we had on on uh, on the show and interviewed them. It doesn't seem like the Yankees actually tell these guys a lot in the offseason, like where they expect, you know, them to play. I, I know Mateo, we got quotes from Mateo that he was down in uh, Dominican and he was taking some balls in the outfield, but the Yankees hadn't told them that they were expecting him to play the outfield a little bit. So I don't know how much they actually tell these guys. And, uh, you know, I, I think Ref Center still needs to find that fit, whether it's going to be in at second base and then the outfield or they are going to try him again at another infield spot. I don't know. I, the Yankees totally mishandled Ref Snyder in 2015 totally because I think that uh, we are all you and I are in agreement that Ref Snyder is not nor was he ever going to be a superstar or even an all star or even a, a really good everyday player um, or excuse me, uh, a really good everyday player is sort of where his ceiling was going to be. But there's still a lot of value in that. And the Yankees missed his value window because they were playing Stephen Drew down right. the stretch in 2015 instead of Ref Snyder. And then finally, with like three weeks to go, Girardi got his head out of his ass and put Ref Snyder in the lineup, and he was playing well. But that, by that point, it was too late for Ref Snyder to really build up any trade value of any note. And then in the offseason, the Yankees traded for Starlin Castro, and Ref Snyder's stuck back down to Scranton. So... You could have easily played him over Steven Drew. Who knows? Maybe the Yankees don't fall out of the AL East um, uh, first place in the AL East to Toronto in 2015 if you have an actual bat in the lineup instead of Steven Drew. And then you could have gotten something for Rob Ref Center because he would have built up uh, trade value. Instead, he's just going to be uh, – they're going to ride him out until his contract is up and he's going to yep. sign with somebody else. That's exactly what's going to happen. They're going to they're going to go until he doesn't have any more options because they're going to probably flip him back and forth. He's going to be that utility guy, and if they need him, they'll bring him up. If they don't, they'll send him back down. And whenever he's out of options, something's going to have to happen. And because I, I just don't see a long term fit, there's there's nowhere for him to play. I mean, even as a utility guy, I, I just don't think that the organization has the confidence in him in the in the on the defensive side to put him as a utility guy and to be that utility guy because that utility guy needs to come in at the end of the game and Girardi needs to have the, uh, you know, a guy that he, he can rely on and depend on. And we know what he uses for those guys. He uses veteran players usually for those types of positions. And it's, it's just obvious that they don't have confidence in him in the, on the defensive side. So I, I don't see how he could fit that utility role. And to tell you the truth, to be, to be frank and to be very honest, 
he's got a hit better. I mean, he does because he had some opportunities last year. He didn't hit very well. well he's got he a hit better. Have, That's, he didn't have any real consistent opportunity at the major league level. But he's not going to. That's the well, thing. Well, he, he did in tw- in the three weeks in 2015. He actually hit. 2015 is a long time ago. Then I mean, talk, looking now and moving forward, he's got to that bat's got to be hot. When he gets the opportunity, he's got to put together good at bats. He's got to get on base. And he's got to make things happen. I mean, that's that's where his his value is on the offensive side. So he's got to he's really got to make sure that that offense is clicking this year. Yeah. Um, other news: the Yankees signed former Met John Neese to a minor league deal. Um, <laughs> woohoo! <laughs> uh, I guess maybe we could solidified. See him out of, I guess solidified. Maybe we could see him out of the bullpen at some point this summer. I don't know. He had uh, a little knee issue towards the end of the season. The Mets who traded him to Pittsburgh, got him back from Pittsburgh, declined his option. So uh, I guess John Neese doesn't have to sell his apartment in Manhattan. That's the only thing that uh, is going for him right now. Um, and then finally, uh, we've just been seeing some stuff that Gleyber Torres continues to impress and uh, back up the fact that he's not only the Yankees' number one prospect, but one of the best prospects in baseball. Yeah, definitely. I think I think just his uh, the way he handles himself still and, and comes into spring ready to go and working hard. There there have been just whispers about his ethics, uh, you know, his work ethic and, and just the way he's handling himself. And uh, yeah, it's it, he continues to impress. The kid puts his head down and works hard, and you can tell that he wants to be a great baseball player. And not much else matters at this point. And that's that's awesome to see from a guy who's as highly touted as uh, as Torres. So um, maybe a um, little bit of the opposite of Clint Frazier. Possibly, yeah. I don't know. He's not that Clint Frazier is not going to be a great baseball player, but we see that Cl- that Clint is definitely concerned with some of the other stuff going on um, surrounding being a baseball player, which is yeah, fine. You all he's totally... posting, all he's posting now is his girl, uh, pictures of his girl. So I think he might have been settled down. Now he's 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 going to focus down. So let's just hope hope uh, the the girl isn't too much of a distraction at this point. Yeah, interesting uh, choice on when to get a girlfriend. Right around Valentine's Day before the season starts. Kind of kind of not the best decision. Yeah, I'm I'm really questioning that one. I I I don't agree with that. Something tells it's, me it's not going to last very long. Yeah, let's hope it doesn't mess with Or it could be his future wife, who knows. Could be. Could be the one. Um and uh, taking Austin's spot on the uh, spring training invitee list is Billy McKinney, who you'll remember from the Chapman trade back uh, last summer. Uh, McKinney is an outfielder, 22 years old. I, I thought he was older at first, but he's only 22 years old. So he, he maybe, if he impresses, can be uh, a potential backup outfielder and get your favorite player, um, Aaron Hicks, off the roster. Yeah, this is a guy that that's definitely uh... – He's he's coming back ready to prove something. I mean, he was a top 100 guy last year in 2016. He didn't make the list this year, and largely because he's been battling an injury. I mean, last year he was coming back off of an injury, and and it didn't. It's from everything I've read, he didn't seem like he was healthy. But this is a kid with a lot of talent. This is another one of those those uh, those pieces in that deal. And um, now that he's now he's on the, we're going to see him in spring. So I'm actually, (laughs) excuse me, I'm excited to see him and uh, see what he can do offensively. You just as I as I, I think the squirrel just did set through something at me. <laughs> All right, I'll talk for a little bit. You can uh, take a sip of water. Now, what everyone has been waiting for us to get to, I'm sure, is the Dylan Patances stuff. Um, quickly, let's go through the facts. Yankees won the arbitration case against Patances. They're going to be paying him three million bucks uh, next year. That's a two and a half million dollar raise from uh, last three seasons for Patances. So no one's feeling bad for Dylan saying he's going to be poor. Let's just get that out of the way. Three million bucks is still a hell of a lot of money. 
And I'm happy he's going to be finally making some cash because he's been one of the best pitchers um, over the last three seasons in baseball. What the Yankees used against Batances in their arbitration hearing was the fact that he struggled in September um, as the Yankees closer. The fact that he did not win the closer job over Andrew Miller in 2015. And they used his slow delivery to the plate against him. And then perhaps the most ridiculous thing that they said, I saw that Brendan Cuddy uh, reported that they even used declining second half ticket sales on Batances last year. How they made that link, I don't know, but that might be the most asinine thing I've ever heard. The funny thing about that is, you know, whenever we talked about when Chapman signed and we were talking about Chapman after the trade and the potential of him coming back, I think one of my, one of my big, uh, one of my big points for for Chapman off the field is that he's exciting and people like to see him in the ninth inning and people will actually come to a game for the chance to see a guy throw 105 miles an hour. So actually, if you want to really be technical about it, the Yankees are the ones who got uh, they shipped Chapman out and de- and for that reason probably declined sales because he you know that's one less guy to come and see. So I don't know. It's it's well, absolutely bizarre for them to even bring that up. But hold on. I th- maybe ticket sales didn't back this up. Clearly, they didn't back this up in 2016. But the team played better and was younger and more exciting in the second half of last year. Yeah. If if I would I would guess TV ratings went up, wouldn't you say? Oh, I probably. I mean, there's no doubt that it was a lot more excitement in the air. There was a buzz. There was well, regardless. A, there was a lot of things going on. It's it, a it's a ridiculous. It's an you, asinine comment. Do you think when Brian Cashman was sitting there on July 31st last year, having already traded Chapman and already traded and trading Andrew Miller and trading um, Yvonne Nova and Carlos Beltran, was that decision made by Brian Cashman or Dylan Batances? Who made that decision to trade all those guys? It was Batances. He's a selfish player. He wanted to right. make sure he was the guy. I forgot. So I guess it is uh, Dellen's fault for the Yankees selling at the trade deadline and then having declining ticket sales. I would have lost my shit if I was Batances and his agent after the Yankees came with that argument. It's, you know, the, the, the bottom line with the comments that were made about Batances is they were just completely unnecessary. Walking into this arbitration process, knowing what they knew, knowing the, the um, you know, the precedents that had been set, for guys that were not closers, they knew they were going to win this deal. Everybody knew they were going to win. Batantis really didn't have much of a leg to stand on, to tell you the truth, if you're talking about the uh, the, the facts and the arbitration case itself. So so why not just 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 take your victory, you know, if you call it a victory, if that's if that's what you see it as, and and just move forward. And wh- I don't understand why the comments, I mean, the comments don't need to be made. There's no benefit for these comments. All you're doing is putting yourself in a position now to, to, to be condescending and to talk down about somebody who was just trying to get, you know, as much money as they possibly could, because that's what he should do, right? That's what he should do. Of course. Three, so, three or four weeks ago when it was announced that um, they would go to arbitration, you and I talked, is there going to be bad blood between the two sides? And now there is bad blood. There, that's undeniable. And it's 100% Randy Levine and the Yankees fault. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, there's. it's not the player's fault for going into arbitration because they're trying to get as much money for them as possible. It's the agent's job to see if the arbitration is even a possibility for them to win, or if it's not, there needs to be some foresight and then you know work with the team for a deal that, that could get as much money knowing that you're going to lose arbitration. So I think that there was probably uh, an error on the agent, Murray, for 
going into arbitration and not making a deal because he probably could have gotten a couple more bucks, right? But but that very well could have been like Dylan saying, hey, I'm going to go to arbitration. I want to try to get as much money as possible. Who knows? That could have been player-driven. There, we don't know what happened behind the scenes. Well, I guess the Yankees... It doesn't that- matter, though. It, it's All of that is a moot point. The, yeah. the fact is, these, these things just... The comments don't need to be made, especially for the second year in a row, by a guy yes. that is not a baseball operations guy. Yes, Stay why? behind the scenes. Why are these people president and PR director and all these guys? So like you said, Lon Trust, it was last February when the whole thing with the Yankees tickets, Lon Trust came out and said that the uh, the fans who buy the expensive tickets don't want to sit next to people who buy cheap tickets basically segregating the two (laughs) yet two classes of yankee fans which is completely ridiculous now a year later it's randy levine who's saying some jackassery things about batances let's go through some of them all right first quote from levine what his it what what his agents jim murray did was make him a victim and attempt Uh, to change a marketplace in baseball that has been well-established for 30 to 40 years, and I feel bad for Dellen that he was used in that way. Next quote. Dellen's been great, but he doesn't have the statistics in the ninth inning or the saves. At the end of the day, it was obvious he was not getting $5 million unless it was a fluke. And the final quote. uh, The the best one. (laughs) It's like me saying I'm not the president of the Yankees. I'm an astronaut. No, I'm not an astronaut, and Dellen Batances is not a closer. And then it was also tweeted by Joel Sherman that uh, Levine was calling him Dylan, not Dellen, which is did, just a little cherry on top of the douchery. As a side note, did you see that someone changed the Wikipedia page for yes. uh, for Levine and said that he was an astronaut? Yes. Beautiful. I love Yankees that's, fans. That's hilarious. Um, but yeah, again, just th- they don't need to be said. The last comment is just completely condescending. There's no reason for anything to be said like that. Uh, the, Why the, is Levine getting up there with his big fat face and sticking his big fat foot in his mouth? Why? Why does if if I were Steinbrenner, I'd be like, your your job description is to not create bad PR for us, and that's exactly what you just did. Yeah, yeah. It's not just bad PR; it's bad it's bad relations with your players. Because guess what's happening? The other players are looking at it as well. Other players around the league who might sign with the Yankees are looking at it as well. There's a lot of things that can that, it's a, that trickle down from something like this. And, you know, the players tend to talk and they're, you know, a lot of the agents talk. And I mean, remember when uh, when when Scott Boris was out there just making ridiculous deals, like a lot of teams did not want to deal with Scott Boris players because they knew what they were getting themselves into. So, you know, things like that in any workplace, people talk, you get a reputation and it can affect the way things happen. It can affect some of the business. And that's and that's a shame. There's no reason for any of these things to be said. Levine was definitely bullied as a kid, right? <laughs> I don't know. I think there's some kind of a complex there where he just, you know, there's a lot of these guys just, I think when you get that high up and you start uh, the, the business side of it, they just, you know, they think. You can tell by the comments. The comments are completely condescending. I mean, it's like he probably didn't mean to be condescending when he was saying it. It just happens naturally. How do you not try? How do I you accidentally be condescending when he throws out the astronaut comment? That is insane. I don't know. Maybe he's like, you know, maybe he wanted to be a marine biologist. Only he, he wanted to be an astronaut. And that's the first thing that came to his head. I don't know. If I'm maybe he Cashman, went to astronaut camp. Maybe he went to Armstrong astronaut camp as a kid. I don't if know. I'm, if I'm Cashman and Girardi. You got to sit down with these guys and be like, please just say no comment when you're asked about shit like this. Why? Like now this could only affect Batances negatively. He's trying to take the high ground 
and I hope he does, and I'm confident it's not going to affect him on the field, but it might. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's – for him, he's just in a, a, a strange spot because he's under control through uh, 2019, right? And he's he's going to be gone. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So now we're looking at the summer before his contract is up or the summer of the contract being up. Looking at, at Donald Batantis is an obvious trade candidate because – Or even sooner. I yeah, mean, because if, they're if not going to re-sign him. Who knows? Maybe there's – this bad blood does not go away. I mean, and they could probably get a very, very hefty, you know, bounty from from a guy like Donald Batantis because he will slot in as a closer everywhere else. He he's got to want. If I were him, I'd want out. I don't know. The fact you. of the matter is, unfortunately for him, is he was screwed walking into this. And I, I do put some honors on the on the the agent because the agent's got to know that as well. Like you, you got to know what the precedents are and and the fact that baseball really does stick to a lot of these, especially when they're going to an arbitration case. You got to know. You got to know what you're getting yourself into. And yes, because they ask for a record amount of money. But yeah, I would. I would think Batanzas and his agent were under the assumption that everything that was said would remain behind closed doors, and they would deal with it like professionals, not like chi- not like children, go up there and, and criticize each other. Oh no doubt. I'm not talking about that side of it. I'm just talking about strictly dollars and cents. Where if he was trying to get as much money as possible, they should not have even gone to the arbitration. They probably should have made a deal. Because I guarantee there was a little bit more money there, you know, to not go to arbitration. Maybe he thought an independent arbiter would see the fact that he's been one of the three or four best relief pitchers in baseball for three straight seasons. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I think they look at precedence more than what I, it's going to be crazy because if you think about what's happening, if we see what happened last year and, and we're trying to, you know, we're seeing this as a trend moving forward, which you and I talk about, you know, that we, we do see a lot of these closers uh, that are getting those save stats are going to be used more as a uh, as a Swiss Army knife, kind of like the way Andrew Miller and Chapman were used last year in the playoffs. If that does happen more often, and that is the case more often, then now there's going to be a new precedent because those save numbers are going to be down. These guys are going to be pitching in different innings. Then these arbitration, at that point, if you have a full season of that stuff and you have you know maybe a couple more cases, I think at that point you're going to start seeing some uh, some some flux in the arbitration process because you're going to see these big relief closers pitching at different places in the game yeah and i just think using saves as a stat for deciding arbitration is so stupid it's so arbitrary because what if you uh are a closer but you're on a terrible team and you don't get save opportunities but you're you put up really good strikeout numbers and and walk numbers and hit numbers and era but you just don't have a lot of saves because you play for the minnesota twins and they blow so that that's going to affect you in arbitration it's like it's kind of like wins for a starting pitcher. I mean, it, it does have some merit, but it shouldn't be the end-all, be-all. Right. Um, the, the whole thing, though, it's just I, I'm sick and tired of seeing non-baseball people talk about on-field stuff. Yeah, there's just – they just don't need to be talk, talking to the media in the first place, honestly. Like, could we, the, the, the people that need to talk to the media about the New York Yankees are the people that – they make on-field decisions because that's what we care about. And then the ownership of the, the Steinbrenner family. Like there needs to be one guy. And that was the, one of the big things we talked about last year when Lon Trust came out and started talking. The, if, if we're going to have the front office talking, there needs to be one united voice. And it probably needs to be Hal Steinbrenner. And that's it. I mean, he, he seems to be doing very well when he talks to the media. I mean, he, he has a decent command, I think. I, I feel like Hal, while people may not 
like his style. I think a lot of people are, are so used to the way his father did things. Um, I, I actually think he's been doing a good job. I think he's he's been more open as of late. But he needs to be the guy talking. Like These guys just don't need to talk, yeah. period. I agree. Before we get into mailbags, I want to take a second to please ask people to rate and review the podcast in iTunes. I know people have been doing it, and we love it. There's a lot of good reviews, five-star reviews. Three haters still that think we are only worthy of one stars. They must be Mets fans or Red Sox fans. But uh, thank you to everyone who's given that uh, the podcast a rating and review, and please continue to do so. All right, Scott, you ready to get into mailbags? Yes, and a quick side note on the ratings and reviews. Did you know that we have a totally different ranking system in the UK? We got a message from someone in the UK about uh, that he, he screenshotted a, uh, a review, and I looked at it. I'm like, whoa, it's, it says like 14 reviews. What is this? And it was the, the UK app store. So there's a totally different oh. thing out there that we don't even know about. We're going to get some screenshots. Yeah, I got to see. Uh, can we access those? Probably no, I can't, not, right? I, no, I can't even stock it. Hmm. Got, I got no, no stocking ability. Are they five it. stars or are they one stars? They were, I don't even remember. I got I to <laughs> look at it again. All right. First mailbag comes from our friend Sock Therapy. And I think he was smoking some damn good weed when he wrote this one. No game or anything this week, but I have two questions. What's scarier, the thought that we are alone in this universe, there is no God, and that one day the sun will burn out, causing our galaxy to implode on itself, killing all living behind nothing but emptiness and darkness, or the fact that we have money-hungry uh, corporatist capitalist swine like Randy Levine and Lon Truss running the front office? And then he goes on to say, also, what is it going to take for these people to get reprimanded? It seems like a year after it seems like year after year, these front office guys make some stupid comment that makes the Yankees look bad. And year after year, nothing happens to them. Steinbrenner has to start pulling up his socks and protecting his players and his franchise. Kind of reiterate a lot of what we just said. But um, I guess, do you expect Steinbrenner to actually reprimand them in any sort of way? Do you think he reprimanded Lon mm-hmm. Trust last year when he said that crap about the, the ticket prices? And do you think he's going to say anything to Levine? You know, as far as reprimanding, I don't know what you could possibly do besides take the mic away. I mean, that's the biggest thing. I I think that Steinbrenner should absolutely put a gag order on everybody in the organization besides him, Brian Cashman, and Joe Girardi. Those are the three guys that we need to hear from, and that's it. I mean, we pretty much have everybody covered when you're you're talking about the organization if we hear from those three guys. So that's that's all that's all that needs to happen. I mean, just just don't say don't talk. Don't talk to the media. If you do have comments to make, if they make you say something, say very general things. Don't make opinions. Just say facts. Just and get the hell out of there. Does it's, Randy Levine think he has fans out there that are going to side with him? Again, I don't think he cares. I'm telling you, I, I don't think there's a thought process. I'm like, oh, I'm going to piss people off. I think he just says what's on his mind. And that's that was what was on his mind. Fans I, don't think identify- I don't think there's a lot of like, uh, you know, forethought here. Well, <laughs> that's a problem when you're the president of the freaking Yankees. But yeah. But fans identify with players, not the baseball executives and the GM and the manager. They, they, they side and identify with the players. But that's the thing, though. They can. They, they also can. I mean, fans sided with George Steinbrenner. Fans side or, or take you know, polarizing ownerships from, from different teams, and they either are with him or they're against him. You know what I mean? Like That's, that's part of uh, the, the team, I think. But nobody cares about the the trickle down like all the other guys all the other lieutenants underneath the the owner i mean honestly there just needs to be one guy talking about the the major scope of things and that's it these other guys 
just don't need to talk. I mean, they're, they're probably very good at their job, right? Probably very good at, at running numbers, finding what, doing what they do. Whatever they do, they're probably good at it. He probably knew damn well that he was going to win that arbitration case. And that's good for the Yankees, right? For the organization, good for them. What was bad for them is when he started doing things that he's not good at. And that's talking to the media. So let's just nip that one in the butt. I honestly rather hear like Cousin Brewski, the beer vendor's comments on Batances than Randy Levine. Yeah, they would be terrific. Probably very positive. You know, talking about the kid being a New York guy, that we appreciate all of his efforts, and that, uh, you know, he's going to get every opportunity to win a World Series with this team. Let's, let's just say that. Um, if you want a funny, uh, a funny laugh, just search Levine Batances on Twitter and just see all the angry crap that Yankee fans had to say about him. And I bet he knows all this stuff that was said. Um, but like you said, he probably doesn't care. So, all right, what do we have next? Next is from Frank. Frank says, hey, guys, I'm a new listener as of this December. This is easily the best Yankees podcast available, so keep up the good work. Thank you, Frank. Appreciate that. Also, I bought Buster Olney's book, The Last Night of the Yankees Dynasty, that was talked about on the show, and I love it. Anyway, I'm curious to see if you have any personal nicknames for any of the current Yankee players. Personally, I like to call Gary Sanchez the Sanchez as a funny way to troll Mark Sanchez. Also, I like calling Didi Mr. Deeds because of the movie. Well, first I, of all, I better get like a little cut of that book sale. Oh, yeah. You're probably not going to get any cut of that book sale. Did I see you tweet or post that you're you're going back and reading some old Yankees books, too? Yeah, I have an archive and I've been going back and I wouldn't say I'm necessarily reading the whole book. I'm just kind of thumbing through things, just rejogging my memory because, you know, my 20s were, as I've said on this show, my 20s are not good to me in my memory. And uh, and, I, and some details get foggy, so I have to go back. And, uh, you know, as we progress further into the show and, and more into Yankee stuff and hopefully some uh, some success on the horizon, I got to gotta make sure that my brain is, is back where it used to be. Did you but, see, um, speaking of Yankees books, did you see, I forget who wrote about this. Um, oh, it was that link you sent me about uh, from that blog who who um, took something from Joe Torre's book. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. His way of dealing with Randy was, um, Randy, shut the fuck up. Yeah. So this has been going on for a few years with Levine. As far as as far as nicknames for any of the players, I, I don't know the uh, the Sanchez I completely veto. I mean that yeah. just that just can't happen. Mark Sanchez was not good for anybody. I mean there's there's trolling Mark Sanchez in my opinion is just not even it's not even like a thing to do anymore. We just need I, to forget about him forever. I think El Gary, uh, the Kraken, El Kraken. I like it. yeah. All of those are good for Sanchez. Yeah. I am Gary. I like you know El Kraken is like I, more of a nickname. The fact that he calls himself. I like the, the hashtag. I am Gary. I think it's just funny. Um, well, I don't even think that's his name. So that's I'm not even sure he really name. understands like how narcissistic it is. Cause it's not, it's not the, the I meaning think behind it, it. I think he comes from a really innocent place with him. Absolutely. I think so too. <laughs> but, but it's funny when you look at it, if you're like, if you're an opposing fan and you don't know the, the player or the, the guy behind the baseball player, you're looking at that and you're like, Oh, this guy's a cocky son of a bitch. Right. Because you kind of can imagine like Bryce Harper saying that I am Bryce. Right. And I would probably think the exact same thing because well, he is a cocky son of a bitch. But right. But Gary does not uh, portray himself as a cocky no. son of a bitch other no. than that one hashtag. And there was a video on Instagram when he had his birthday. Did you see this when he got the birthday cake and everybody's like singing and dancing for him? No. And there was just a look on his face like, yes, dance, sing, dance, give me, <laughs> give me, give me my cake. It was it was pretty good. I think there's a little bit of it, but I don't think he 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 tries it. Well, hopefully he doesn't let success get to his head. Um, yeah. 
he kind of blew he I mean obviously he blew up last in such a quick time last season uh, signed that that deal with Steiner Sports is going on Francesa so his ego probably was inflated quite a bit um, in August and September of last year yeah no doubt the other ones the judge I mean just just the judge is so simple I think I mean that one's got to be it right it's the fact that his last name is judge and he's a giant massive human being yeah like- um there's no, it's like the perfect last name for, for judge. And you're yeah. right. It doesn't really need anything else. It's yeah. You just put a the in front of it and you're like, okay, that's, yeah. that's perfect. And it's then, easy, um, though. and then Frazier, I mean, he got it from Cleveland, but I like it. I think it's good is the red thunder. I think it's a good, but he even said on this podcast, he needed, he needs to, Yankees fans to embrace him with a nickname and maybe they, but will that could be it. That thunder. could be yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's very fitting. It's got to be something about his hair. There's no doubt about that. We were talking about like Red Hammer, right? Yeah, we did. We we did throw some other ones out there. Uh, I don't even remember what they were, but um, I don't know. We'll we'll uh, as he progresses, hopefully he can uh, he can fly through AAA, and we'll get some we'll get some more serious thought into that. Uh, what do you think of Mister Deeds for Didi? Eh, <laughs> if I'm being honest, not eh. an Adam Sandler fan. I'm a big Adam Sandler fan. I just, uh, just the bad, just, it's just like, it's the words work together. I don't know. I just don't see it. Does he have um, a black left foot <laughs> that does like dead and like he sticks things through? Uh, the, uh, I, I think Sterling, uh, as bad as his nicknames are every now and again, he'll pull one out. That's pretty good. Um, so I, I I tend to lean towards Sterling on a lot of these things. I'm always I always look forward to hearing what Sterling's call for a new Yankee home run is. It's getting dangerous though the, the him making the uh, the nicknames at this point in his well they're career bad too. good they're bad good it's I know it's but good they're in a bad they're, way but they're getting bad too <laughs> they're getting as we go further and and deeper into the the terrific amazing stellar career of John Sterling the nicknames are getting a little bit worse. How much longer do you think Sterling and Susan have in them? I don't know. Not before I, they die, but just before they know before they get forced out games. Yeah, I think they're going to get forced out. Probably, uh, you know, I don't. I don't know when the time frame is. It's it's not going to be their decision though. They're going to get forced out at some point. You're seeing it all over the all over the sports realm. You know, even with like ESPN and Tom Jackson and Berman getting getting kind of you know pushed to the side a little bit. You're going to start seeing that too. I think. Especially, with I think the most new, most Yankee team. fans like them though. I think I think the older generation of Yankees fans, or I say older generation, I'm talking about the not the young young Yankees fans probably like them. I don't know how many young fans, you know, listen to them still all the time. On, yeah, not on the many. Radio. Not many 17 year old Yankee fans are yeah. listening to the radio. But I I just for like for fun one time this summer, um, if you're out there, just put on a random radio broadcast or even a TV broadcast of an opposing team. And just hear how boring it is and just think that we have John Sterling to at least give us some excitement and some laughs. Yeah, maybe he calls a home run when it's really a foul ball or he, <laughs> he or he complains that the umpire isn't calling the strikes fast enough or he'll even say somebody made a diving catch when the ball was fouled back into the stands. That's okay. It's it's more fun than listening to somebody drone on and on and just literally uh, call the action that's going on in, in a very dry manner. Quite often, mis misname a player who does something in the game yeah, as well. It's part of the charm. It is. I I love it. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna find me complaining if they just if they do it forever. I just being a realist on that subject. I have a feeling they're gonna get forced out at some point. I could see uh like because Sweeney Murdy's always in there. I could see him at some point taking a larger role, maybe as the color analyst uh to John Sterling. 
I could see him. Uh, I could see him stepping in at some point. It's my. Uh, I feel like with John and Susan, we've been watching like a very like a twenty year running sitcom, and just all the sexual tension between them. And then finally, at the end, they're going to announce something. Oh, that's that's <laughs> taking it. That's taking it to a different uh, different level. Do you remember that that game um, last year? It was like a, a rainy. It was like a rain delay. So and it was a little cold, so they had the window shut, and they showed the uh, a shot of the booth with John and, and Susan, and the windows were all fogged up. <laughs> and then the Twitter just or Twitter, I mean, a couple people who are in on the joke just went around saying that uh, they finally uh, got bored in the rain delay and went at it. Oof, that's a sight. <laughs> Get that one into your head, John. Uh, it's, it's Roger. He's in the box. All right. Um, do you feel any better getting anything off your chest about Batansis and the whole uh, Levine comments, or are you still a little angry? I feel better for talking about the squirrel, to tell you the truth. That's the, the biggest thing for me. I needed to get that one out of there. At least That's we solved one. something. <laughs> I don't, I'm just ready to move on to some baseball action. So we got we got a game coming up you know, this week, which is awesome. We got some, some actual baseball. Remember grown men throwing baseballs back and forth? <laughs> It's going to be terrific. How could it's I forget be... that extreme analysis from me? <laughs> no, it's going to be good. Oh, and by the way, I'm a complete jackass. I forgot to mention this early on. When I was buying tickets for us to go to the game, right, yes. I bought tickets for, so I need to make this announcement because if someone's going to the game, I bought tickets for this Friday, which happens to be a Friday, which is the 24th, and they're playing the Phillies, which is the exact same scenario in March that it is in February. I don't know. What are the odds of that? Very, very small. But my dumbass bought tickets for this Friday's game, which I'm not going to be at. And they're awesome seats. I was so excited for them. They're in, they're like right next to the dugout uh, in the first row. They're ideal seats. Like you want to get an autograph? These seats are where you get an autograph. That's like the place where, where, where players go. So if you're in Tampa and you need tickets for this Friday's game, hit me up. I will give you a good deal. I will. You don't have to pay any of those fees. I'm just trying to get rid of them. Make some of that money back. So hit me up. Oh, look at you. All right. Um, thanks, everyone, who submitted mailbags. Um, you can do that at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. You can tweet us at Yankees Podcast, at Scott Reinen, at Andrew underscore Rotondi. I did not screw it up this time. The voicemail line, 646-480-0342. I'm a little surprised we didn't get any angry voicemails about Batances. Yeah, I think it was more just unsaid you know what i mean i think people were expecting us to talk about the fact that this it was such a big story this week and it really just took over everything unfortunately the first week of baseball uh, or second week of baseball really but you know that they're uh, this has to overshadow it's just unfortunate hopefully it'll go away. all right good stuff i hope that squirrel dies and you it's no longer torturing you i hope everyone has a good week we'll talk to you next time Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. When you need 
mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.